Hate to the point listeners, turn the volume up. You do not want to miss what I'm about to tell you. We are going to invite two, count it two, lucky to the point podcast listeners as a big thank you to join us at our first annual exclusive invite only Rhino X service summit on April 1st here in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. No, this is not an April Fool's joke. We will have your peers and some industry beasts from all over the United States in attendance and my man, my partner, my friend, Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk. He'll be keynoting the event and hanging out with us the remainder of the evening so you can spend some quality time with one of the best marketing minds in the game. And you know how I roll. There just might be a few extra surprises along the way. All we ask is you share this episode on social and tag to the Point Services podcast to be considered. And we'll do a live drawing next Tuesday, the 23rd at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. A huge shout out and thank you to all of our Rhino Nextstar customers that tune into this podcast every single week. Super grateful. This will be an extra special treat for you or really anyone interested in joining Nextstar. Because my man Julian Scadden brings the fire on this episode. In an ongoing effort for us to bring unity in the industry, we hope you'll enjoy this podcast and put it to good use because ambition without action is useless. No zero days. Let's get it. This is To The Point. A rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is that you're listening. Welcome to The Point. I'm the host, Christian, along with, man, tall Paul Redman, my co-host, sitting right next to me, six feet apart, of course, socially distanced. Six feet eight apart. Six feet eight. Oh, you're not laying down. <laughs> you're sitting. Yet. Yet. Well, that's weird. You know, I would ask if you just kind of like take it easy on the banter because today's one of those days that's going to be special and I don't want to waste a moment of our guests energy. So if you could also just not make fun of me for the next 45 <laughs> seconds, that'd be great. No promises. No promises. So then, okay, well, listen, I'll, I'll, I respect you. Yeah. So I'm going, and I agree because, uh, you know, we have a, our guest today is going to be able to share some cool things. Um, as I found out pre-podcast and, and you know me well enough to know, and you've gotten to know Julian, we are very much alike in yeah. mindset, which is going to make this uh, an exceptional podcast. But I also am a strong believer in the organization he's a part of, even though we aren't technically a part of it, but a lot of our customers they are. are. So yeah, I yeah. will, I will cut the bullshit and get to the point, Paul, and I will let yeah. you, if you want to go ahead and tee it up, man, I'm, well, I was just going to say, really, our interest in inviting Julian on, and it, I mean, really, it's evolved since we first invited him on, but was how many times we've been talking to some of our guests, and part of their before and after star story included their involvement in Nexstar. So we just wanted to learn more about that, which has kind of opened us up to an entirely different conversation that we're going to have today. So we're excited to bring in the CEO of Nexstar, Julian Scadden, who's going to tell us his story. Um, from where he started to where he is now. But Julian, welcome to the podcast. Hey, glad to be here, man. Thank you very much for the platform. Thank you for the invite. I'm excited. Dude, has anybody ever told you you got a pretty cool voice? It is. Yeah. <laughs> this is just the end of Dave voice. And something that's something I say for you here, Chris, is uh, wrestling, baby. Matt Slappers. There we oh, go. Oh, wow. Another there wrestler. we go. Are you a wrestler? Yeah. Waited till the mic was hot to let him know that. That oh, boy. Dude, I have, like, <laughs> listen... 
if you get a wrestler and comes and interviews yep. your company, hire them. Yep. And I can tell well, you, with, you've kind of got that little rock going right now as we're watching you, like you're about to step on the mat. And I can feel it. That's where the internet. And I always have to say when Chris mentions wrestling, he wrestled at 103. I always feel like I have to say that for some reason. <laughs> State place. Oh, it's it's burned into our brains, no doubt. But from seeing Chris around in advance, you know, I didn't necessarily know who he was, but I would see that energy. And to be honest with you, at times I'm buttoned up, I'm ready to go. And I would see this guy with all his energy and I'd avoid him. I'm like, okay, this guy's <laughs> on another one. Let me get out of his way. And then as I started listening to your podcast last year, I go, oh, I get it now. Then I can compartmentalize him, this Midwestern wrestling kid. And it's like, this is the guy I want on my team. Like, I can't stand him. I don't like wrestling guys like this. They're annoying. <laughs> if he's on my team, I love the guy. So as soon as he's on my team, this is, I love the guy. You just don't want to go against them. That's it. Yep. <laughs> Crazy That's very cool. Too. I didn't know that. Thank you for sharing that. It always makes me feel that much more connected. But yeah, see, Paul? Yeah, and now you're what? and you're a listener. That's something we're really proud yeah. of too, and very grateful that you've listened and consumed, and and you know, um, you know, had been a part of a lot of the content that we put out there over the last year or so. You've yeah. earned it in being relevant. Super grateful. Yeah, Thank super you very grateful. Much. Well, Honored. listen, um, let's go ahead and get to the point too, because I I think we've got a lot to cover in this time frame. And and Julian, you know, from listening to the podcast, and again, I uh, Paul said thank you, but I say thank you as well. It certainly means a lot to us. Um, but I want to make sure I keep us on, you know, on track today yeah. and get through these bullet points with a little bit of, you know, less BS. But um, man, just get right into it. If you, if you're, unless you want to cover anything else, Paul. Yeah, I would just say, Julian, like, open up. Tell us your journey. How did you get into the trades? How did you get to where you are now? Where did it start? It's interesting when I hear you talk about our members and their businesses and the before and after. Uh, my whole story to now being in a position of president and CEO at Nextar is a total before and after. In some odd way now, all tied to Nexstar. So, uh, fresh out of high school at 16. Okay, so how are you fresh out of high school at 16? 16, 16. Because I'm homeless. Yeah. I'm living out of my car. Many of our members know that story. Not, I don't know if the broad public knows that. So, I just wanted to work. And so, I went to a, a local plumbing company. It was in the neighborhood. I, I knew the owner lived at the end of our block. And I just told him I need a job. So, he handed me a spade shovel. And I start, you know, prepping lines for sewer ditches. I'm, I'm shoring up things. You know, uh, I'm a sewer ditch digger is what I am. Where's this at? Um, Julian, where's this at? I'm sorry. I'm this is out. Aurora, Colorado. Aurora, Got it. Colorado. Got it. Okay. Yep. And, um, but what I didn't know at the time, so I'm out there, I'm apprenticing, I'm starting to get into the field, but I, I am highly meticulous and I'm really slow. And therefore, you know, efficiencies, things weren't happening. But what I didn't know is the company had been acquired by a, a national corporation and about Five different companies got consolidated into one, and the service manager uh, named Ed Coleman, he since passed. That's that's my man. I love him to death. And um, he called me into the office, and he told me, he said, Julian, you're kind of slow in the field. Come in here and help me out. You know, We're going to teach you the call center. We're going to teach you dispatch. I'm going to teach you some reports. And for a period, I was doing his reports, and I had a lot of animosity towards Ed for that. But what I found out in times that we had been acquired by this corporation, and when we came in and got audited, everyone who wasn't a revenue producer in the field was cut. And then I found out that I became the plumbing service manager uh, because they were interviewing me like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I do these reports, I answer the phones like, oh, so you're the plumbing service manager. No, no, no. I just do this. And, well, you're the plumbing sir. So Ed moved himself into a GM role. I became a plumbing service manager, uh, served my time there at the corporation for about eight years. And uh, when I got fed up with that, the culture just didn't match. You know, it wasn't a fit for me. Uh, a friend a of mine deal. introduced a term later in life that I now apply to that. They were very mercenary. Yep. So he said, some businesses are mercenaries and some are missionaries. Some oh, are mission-based and some are about the dollar. They're very mercenary. I didn't know it. I was young at the time, but I, you know, I thought that's what it took to win in business. What happened? Some of the folks that worked at that mom and pop, as soon as this business was acquired, they left and started their own businesses. 
I didn't know that. So years later, as I was leaving this business, I bumped into some of these guys. Ed Coleman, actually, as a matter of fact, had left, and uh, he was the GM at Plumline. And he invited me to come over, work with them, and I went over there, and uh, they sent me to my first Nexstar training. And that's when I realized, from the vibe at Plumline to my first Nexstar training, I said, this is totally different in the industry than what I've been experiencing. I want to be part of this. Time goes on, I, I get young, hungry, and aggressive. And to be honest, you know, this, this, this is a little backdrop to the story. Um, you know, I grew up in a rougher side of town and uh, I had a home invasion. So some guys came in, stuck my son and I up at gunpoint and I, and I just wanted to leave the state because I felt like I had a choice. I could either go find these guys or eventually they were gonna find me because when they stuck us up, they weren't masked. I knew who they were, you know, I didn't know them but I knew I could see them again. So I'm having all these thoughts. Somebody's gonna die, it's either me or them and I didn't wanna be any part of it. So I wanted to leave the state. So what I did is I, I pulled out my good old Rolodex of people I had met over the years. Uh, there was a guy doing new construction in Atlanta. And I asked him, I said, if I go come down and I start a residential department with you, um, can I get a cut of the profits? And he said, well, just come on down and we'll figure it out. I just wanted to get out of town. So I went, I was excited. Um, but here's the interesting part. I went down in 2007. Yep. And so his new construction completely dried up at the same time we were growing oh. a residential. And, uh, but we grew, we grew residential by leaps and bounds. Of course, as soon as, uh, we started this department. We had to be next our members. Uh, there were times when, and I share this with our staff here at Nextar. Now, there were times when I was not sure how we were going to make payroll, but I never questioned our Nextar membership. So now, at the time of our Nextar membership, Jack Tester uh, was my business coach. He's the first employee of Nextar. He's the first CEO, but he's my business coach. So he saw how we developed that business, how we grew. When I walked away from that business, um, I kept poking Jack and I said, someday I want to be a coach at Nexstar. About a year and a half later, he gave me an opportunity. Uh, I had to relocate to beautiful uh, Minnesota and uh, started as a, a coach. Then I went to the training team, then the VP, and now fortunately CEO. So hopefully, I, I know that's not exactly what you asked, but I wanted to give you the, the how I got here. Yep. It, it is exactly what we asked for, but we're going back, right? We're <laughs> going to go all the way back. So um, to you talk about your experience, you know, with your first job that you were eight or so years, right? And then you went to your first next star meeting and you said, this is different. What was different about it? What was the experience and what was the, you know, what made you hopeful about the industry at that moment? Curious. It's, it's the thing that we need to hold true today. Our, our mission statement is crafted as such that we focus on three areas for our members, employee engagement, customer satisfaction and profitability. And I say them intentionally in that order because that's what I felt. This was the first time as an employee that I felt that I was important. Uh, the owner at the time, Jeff Belk, I remember him calling me into his office and you. asking me when my son's football practices were and which games I could and couldn't miss. I've never had anybody ask me something like that. Uh, they sponsored some money for, for new uniforms. I've just never been treated that way in the trades. Uh, and then at the event, it actually was about the participants. Uh, if you've never been to a Nextar event, it's what we call participant-centered. Uh, you're talking at your tables, you're interacting, you're learning. When Frank Blau founded Nextar, it was him lecturing about all of the ills and the things that we needed to correct. But then he took time at the end of every session and just asked and invited the contractors to sit at the table and share their invoices, share their inventory sheets, share their marketing. And that's our foundation. That's how we started. So that's what we hold true to today. But I felt loved was the point as an employee. I felt acknowledged. So yeah. I know I know Jeff really well. Yeah. Yep. From Plumline. Yep. Just he's a good good. He was good a good man. dude. Yep. Yeah. Good good company. Um. Yeah. So, did you see at that? I mean, you didn't see at that moment like, oh, I could go on and be CEO. Like some there's some transformational moments in this journey from you know showing up to a next star event to becoming a uh, you know their CEO right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which you've been for three months, right? 
Yep. You just freshly knew. So, um, and we're going to talk a lot about that, but talk to me about some of those transformational moments, people, events, like what took you from where you were to where you are now? Yeah. And it's, uh, of course, mentors, influencers, people looking out for you, seeing more in you than you can see in yourself. But the primary factor for our listeners here today, and of course, if you haven't listened to uh, the powerful thinking uh, with Keith Mercurio that you all did, you know, there's some foundational steps you can take there, but it is, it's head trash. It's a victim mentality. Again, coming from the streets, there was a part of me for a long time. Now I'll tell you about, I'll actually tell you how I left that corporation. The one where I spent eight years. Yeah. Uh, it was an event. I got called down, um, it was somewhere in Texas. I'll just leave it at that. And we were called down to get a, a corporate designation to our title. So there were people in the business who were not corporate employees. They were local employees. My supervisor and I, uh, a young black woman, and I are going down to get this corporate designation. We walk into a room, a boardroom of at least uh, six, maybe eight uh, older white males. And as we walk in, uh, I hear a voice. And again, it, my memory is foggy because I went kind of dark after this. I walk in and a, and a voice just says, oh, the, you know, the, the Colorado contingency is here. Hey, uh, it's nice to have some color in the room. Wow. And I got so upset. I got so upset that I just stood there and I turned around, I walked out and I went back to my room and I never went back. Nobody ever checked on me. Never, And I never went back to that business. I was done. But the, my point in bringing that up is to say that I was a young, angry man. Now, when I encounter a situation like that, I have the tools, I have the capability to sit down with someone and express what impression that left and what ways I felt that that didn't align with how we should communicate with each other. But now let's get back to head trash victim. I'm just upset. And what it took over time, and it was, you know, Jeff Belk investing in me. There's another man there, John Heggie, that invested in me. Uh, John Mizraka, he was a comfort consultant there at the time. And these are solid men. So I'm stepping out of being in the streets where my cousins, my friends, everybody's either into some kind of dope running, gang banging something. And I've got just one foot out of the streets. I mean, just one. And I'm just looking for an opportunity. And to be honest with you, at that time, all I knew was this was this was kind of, you know, people call it their ace card. You always got an ace. And I knew the industry, I could always get a job, but I didn't understand what it could be. And so part of it was flipping the switch from being a victim. Everybody owes me something. You know, these old white guys will never give me a shot to, well, wait a minute. How am I conducting myself? What am I investing back in myself? And then that home invasion was the moment when I completely went off the grid. I cut everyone off and I spent like the next three years totally enveloped in, in, in discovering myself and, and eradicating that uh, limiting beliefs and, and all the victim mentality I had put on myself. And those next three years were what took you to Atlanta, right? Where you That's went down right at the crash. So I'm doing an injustice, injustice if I don't let you tell that story. So you show up, you move, you have a young son at this time, right? Between five, Correct. seven years old, somewhere in there. You, yeah. You're across the country, new climate, new market. You don't know anybody, left all those bad relationships behind. And then all of a sudden the revenue dries up. What happens when you get there? Yeah, man, that was scary. Uh, he, he had a staff of about 50 employees. And at first I went in with all my wisdom saying, you're going to get smaller before you get bigger. I knew we were going to lose some, but I didn't know that we were going to get down to about, you know, like three techs. I was out running HVAC sales calls. You know, I was out, you know, we had to make, it was a no lose situation, but there's nothing better than having no option. There's nothing better than having your back against the wall because yeah. I could not lose that. You know, failure was not an option. Um, I was completely sober and celibate for those three years. I stayed in every good book, you know, rise. And, and, and I heard you talk about this, Chris, rise every morning with prayer. Absolutely. And, and it really helped create the disciplines and the habits and the triggers for success. So, you know, what did I do? It was like, I just went to the next R script. I'm meeting with my coach every month. We're looking at the financials. We're looking at the systems that we need to put in place. I'm investing in the training. Um, so I'll just pause there and see what you heard in that. 
Yeah. Talk about um, meeting with a coach. That's kind of central to kind of your success or your journey. Tell me about coaching, your relationship with coach philosophy. Yes. And, and I look at coaching in a few different ways. Um, you know, the coaching that I, I received instantly and immediately and what we needed was operational. We needed to look at the PL. We needed to get some cash flow going. We needed to look at the forecasting of that balance sheet. Why even look at it? We're hurting. Um, so I needed that first. And, and, and many times when I hear folks talk about, um, you know, what should I focus on first? Should I focus on my EQ, my relationships or my operations? Look, it's a chicken or an egg, an egg thing, but I do say this, and I do believe this. If you don't know how to run the operation, if you don't know the metrics to look at, um, you'll get by on luck. And even even in the even the amazing, amazing men uh, down there in Arizona, you, you know, the Ringy brothers, they even admitted it was it was damn near sure luck on, and the, the grace that brought them to it. So, yes, your disciplines and, and taking care of people will get you a long way, but even they, they're going to... I mean, they are going to be 10 X now that they have the systems to back them up. So yeah. my belief is let's start with the systems, the operations, you have to understand that. So that's one side of coaching. Yeah. There's certain things that you don't know. I have language here at, at Nextar. When we hire a new coach and they sit down with me in any position I was ever in. And I learned this the hard way when I was a coach, they'll say, well, aren't we consultants? And I'll say, yes. However, at Nextar, the reason that we call you a coach is this begin every call by coaching and every call by consulting. And here's what I learned. I wanted to, add a ton of value when I started here as a coach. So I would hop on the call and Paul tells me that he needs a paid plan and I would start getting into the paid plan and I'd figure it out for him and we'd present him something next month on our call. He doesn't even bring it up. So I bring it up, you know, what's going on with the paid plan. Oh yeah, that was, you know, we didn't, we don't need that. And it took me enough time to realize that coaching is asking questions. Consulting is knowledge that you have that no one else has. And what I realized is I was running to fix a problem that they had no, no alignment with, no investment in, no ownership of. And it turns out they need a new pay plan because one guy was ticked off and then that guy cooled off. They didn't really need it. Right. So, and, but on the flip side though, you can't coach your way into teaching somebody what percentage of labor versus revenue it should be. If they don't know it, they just don't know that. So you have to consult certain things, but start by coaching, start with interest. So operationally, uh, the other thing I want to say really quickly about coaching is being open to coaching. And now this is where we get into people development in the, in the EQ and the things of that nature. Uh, and I have a, I have a saying for it that I really encapsulated in those years in Atlanta and even more so here at next I learned how to sit in the burn. Because that's how it feels when somebody's giving me corrective advice, whether it's good or not, I will own it. Physiologically, I feel a, a literal burn mm -hmm. in my gut, in my sternum. And the better you can learn to sit with that burn and take notes, stop listening to coaching and nodding your head, write it down, actually respect the person who's giving you the feedback by taking note of it. And doing that enough uh, helped me develop as a person. So operations, I could teach you anything. We have a lot of successful operators out there who just run people over. But the other side is of coaching is what are you open to personally uh, to expand and empower yourself? I love this. So I want to mention this before you go anything, into anything else. Sure. <clears throat> so it's a play on words, but it matters to guys like me. Um, coach versus consultant. A coach feels a little bit more personal to me, right? Like I, like one of my best, one of the biggest influencers in my entire life was my wrestling coach. To this day, I don't talk to him. He doesn't even, he, he doesn't even have a cell phone. Lives out in the woods because I come from the country, but he's like country, country. But coach always feels better and closer to me. Like it's just a more personal than consultant. Coach, it's weird. You had, you had said, Julian, too, about um, listening. Uh, it's weird to think, well, I should say, it, it's odd to think that a coach should listen. Hmm. So, and here's what I mean by that is, 
But you have to, if you're going to genuinely coach someone, you have to listen to hear instead of listen to respond with your own agenda, right? So when I hear you talking about starting with coaching and ending with consulting, that makes so much sense to me because now you're getting the best of both worlds, which is one, you got somebody that genuinely cares about you, your coach, who's got a a personal tie to you, like that really cares about your success and then offers solutions after listening to you. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. There are so many different angles we can take with this right now. So I'm, I'm stuck on, and you can choose, choose your own adventure. So I want to know about either your coach, because I believe it's been one person throughout part of your journey. And then also, how did you get from Atlanta back to Colorado? What did that journey look like? Or did you go back? Oh, I never went back. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and just for clarity here, and just to fill in a little gap of uh, uh, Colorado born and raised, uh, but then I went to New York. Actually, right before I went to Atlanta, when I was calling all these people, I actually just went to New York. Uh, it's where a lot of my family is. A lot of my family knows that I move at that pace. Mm-hmm. I, I do well in the city. Um, but I was doing like boiler room type sales. And you mentioned I did have a young son and that just wasn't the place at the time. So then I ended up in Atlanta and from Atlanta to uh, Minnesota, the primary coach in my life. uh, The man that has influenced me the most professionally and personally is Jack Tester. You know, he's my predecessor. Uh, He's the man that many associate with next star outside of Frank Blau. I know it makes Jack uncomfortable when I call him a founder because he's not technically, but he was the first employee. He got us where we're at. He's brought us accelerated growth in the past nine years, I believe leading up to this. Um, But the relationship was very much a listener. And that's where I learned, you know, I I love where you went with that, Chris, is a coach is supposed to tell me what to do. When I think of an athletic coach, he tell, I remember coaches saying things like, listen to what I'm saying, not how I'm saying it. That's a very popular phrase in athletics. Like, just get the damn message, boy, and do what you're supposed to do. (laughs) You know, I don't need to sugarcoat it. If I tell you step with your left foot, step with your left foot. Just trust me. You know, all this why. But there was so much more listening and why behind uh, my relationship with Jack. Now, again, early on, it wasn't. It was urgent. It was triage. It was, okay, let's look at this labor percent. Okay, go find out what's going on with that material. But as the relationship grew, it was really checking in on my state really checking in on my foundation. Once he found out I was out there alone, relocated, you know, his tone and tenor changed. And here, even at Nextar, he invested so much in me. And uh, he had a podcast run that we have sunsetted, but it's called Leadership Lounge, where we we spent, you know, some great conversations going back and forth as well. Um, but I'll pause there. Did, did he believe in you before you believed in yourself? No doubt. Yeah. I love that. Did he tell you that? No doubt. Yes. <clears throat> so I love that. Chelsea's in here as our brand manager. Um, Chelsea, do you remember me saying the same thing to you? So I, I think that is actually so impactful to say that. And, uh, I don't know if you, you know, are like minded like me in this way, but, um, I'm a big fan of lifting somebody up. You don't have to earn respect for me. It's yours to lose. Um, is, is where my mindset's at. Didn't used to always be that way today. It's like that, but I'm a big fan in letting somebody know I believe in you. Um, I think that alone just makes it so much real. Like you don't want to let that person down that believes in you. Right. But then you got to be there for him too. Right. So 
That, that's why I want to lean into this and that whole concept a little bit more because it, I, I want to hear about you know his belief and in investment in you from just a coach to a player, coach to coachy, whatever you want to call it, uh, from person to person. What did that look like over time, right? Because it's just an, un, I, I know we don't want to like dwell on this whole, like, here's where I started. Now I'm the CEO, but I think that like, there's something there and I want to hear more about it. Can I like, stop you guys for just a second? I'm yeah. sorry. Cause this is super cool. That just came up text message. I got, uh, or the text message that came across from, Gary, from Gary Vaynerchuk. Well done, Kyle. It just got, it says, you don't, you don't hate yourself or don't believe in yourself. Someone else instilled that in you. Stop believing it. It's just kind of crazy that, that I mean, that's what just to add, the text message I just got about be believing in yourself and just a little thing that came up. I love oh, divine intervention. That's happened twice today. That has happened twice today. We'll tell you that. That's Sorry, another. man. Let me cut you guys off. So what oh, did that good. relationship, you know, what did that look like and how did that impact where you are today? Tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, very good. And in a quick, you know, I, I feel compelled to expand on what Chris shared there is our choice. So even within what we're sharing right now, it was my choice. So Jack could believe in me all he wants. It was my choice to accept that. Absolutely. Just like if Jack told me I was an idiot, it's my choice to accept <laughs> Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So again, you know, we're going to protect ourselves and choose what we believe, but they come from a credible source. Um, and here's here's something that I'll say, and, and I'm glad you shouted out Kyle, Kyle and Chelsea. They have been instrumental with Paul in setting this up. So I love getting your names on the air. You've got a great team. I know everybody knows that. You know, Chris can be the voice. Paul can be the straight man. But yeah, here's the deal. It doesn't happen without these people behind the scenes. You don't grow at the rate at which you've grown without great people. So I want to shout your whole team. hundred percent. Thank, thank you. you. An amazing nice. experience leading up to this. Appreciate that. Um, so it is. Okay. So here we go. Um, for those who know Jack, he's a driver. You know, let's get it done. Let's focus on results. And the truth is that I showed up and showed out. My first year at Nextar, I did not, as an employee, I didn't make a ton of friends. I was here before anybody. I went and worked out at lunch and I was out on time. Yep. And I knew all I wanted was my results to speak for me, though. I didn't. And it's not that I didn't want to make friends. I had great relationships. I, I recall a few years in, uh, you know, one of our employees commenting to me, you have relationship, unique, meaningful relationships with everyone across the organization, but you're never here. How did you do that? And it's like, because I'm very slow and I'm very intentional with a person, I don't, don't talk to me about the weather. Good don't one. ask me what I'm doing this weekend unless you've got something good. You know, I don't like surface level conversation. I don't have time for that. Let's go. You know, people didn't know my story at the time. They didn't know. I wore mm -hmm. a tie every day at Nextar when we didn't have to. Yep. So I just had this standard and the results were showing up. So let's talk about that first. Why he invested in me, I believe, is he saw what I had done at that business. And then when I came up as a coach, he saw it was a brand new position that was created. It's about implementing our next star systems and processes and trainings in the member shop. We found that the members who are most successful for those of you that are out there listening, and, and I've heard this on other podcasts, I'm going to repeat it again that you all have done going to a seminar and taking notes, make not a great contractor implementing. And it's the ability to implement, take action on what you've learned is what's critical. So that was this role. 100%. And it was, it was critical to me that I was, I was supporting six business coaches at the time. There was one meet for six business coaches in the entire training team. And I was to connect those two points. And so we made great relationships. We made great progress. And he saw that. So he gave me another opportunity to lead the training team uh, because that was growing uh, by leaps and bounds as it never had. Uh, and, and I know you captured this on our earlier uh, podcast. Keith Mercurio was the first actual full-time trainer 
here at Nextar as a staff position. And he blew that thing up. This yep. thing is growing and blowing up, but he's on the road. We've got to get some management now. To, again, like I spoke to your staff to support the talent. Like he's going out and he's closing, but who's going to take care of home? So I went over there. We formed a power team and we, we've blown that department up. You know, we've got four staff trainers now. We've got um, 12 implementation coaches for the 12 business coaches. Uh, so it's these results that, you know, let's not look for charity cases. And, and that's where I think people get confused when they hear my story. You know, should I go out to the homeless shelter and find some kid who looks hungry? Well, you know, maybe give them a task first and see how they perform. Yeah, sure. um, and I feel like I got a little off tangent there on you, Paul, but no, you're I'm good. just, just free flowing with you, man. No, 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 it's perfect. Um, you mentioned something I want to come back to. You talked about training and implementation. There's no shortage of training, right? There's an abundance of training out there, whether it's good or bad is subjective. But my yep. question is, like, how do you make sure that that makes its way into the operational, like the foundations of business and where, where does next come, like come into play there? We, we've had a beautiful marriage between our trainers, uh, making time. I want to create a, a visual real quick sure. for uh, the listeners here. If you can imagine a pyramid, more like a Mayan pyramid where you might see the stair steps and the foundation is thinking. And, and I love that you all get into this on your podcast very much so that if folks don't have the right mindset, no system, no training, no tool, nothing else is going to matter. So we start with the thinking. Every class, we start with the thinking. Where's your mindset? Where's your focus? What do you, how do you frame? What do you perceive? Um, you know, the, the state, the language, focus, and physiology. Um, and then we can talk about the systems. Then the systems are how we perform in the business. And then I can give you the tool that gets it done. Back to answering your question. The reason uh, why we have found success in the way that we have, the reason why our members outperform the industry, and I'm sorry, guys, truth needs no modesty is something that I've learned. And these are this is data that I get from a third party that shows the performance year over year, but especially in 2020 when everybody had a great year uh, that our members still outperform the industry by 3%. And it's because we're supporting them. It's not because we're great. We are, but it's not because of that. It's because right. they're doing the work. And, and we, we do have the trainers now in the training classes. We don't focus solely on the thinking or solely on the customer interaction. We start with their thinking and then we tie it to a system and a system is repeatable for the outcome to be repeatable. Then we give them the tools and then we get into the interactions. And when we practice the specificity in class of the interaction, it's not theory. They leave having practiced it at least 50 times. So good. Did you want to take the next? No, go ahead and go ahead. So I want to go more. I, I want to talk more about, um, Nextar. I know this isn't here to talk all about Nextar, but I want our, I want our listeners who aren't familiar to know how it's different, how it's structured, what kind of the community looks like. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that. And I mentioned how Frank got the origins of it and Frank being wise enough that he should not have been the man who started this. It was his dream, his idea. And he went and found Jack Tester and said, Jack, you know, as a young guy at the time, he said, you've got to figure this out. You know, you got to make this happen. And, and so from our inception, uh, we have this spirit of tenacity and yet realization of put people to play to their strengths. And in our formation, this is where we're different. For anybody listening who doesn't know uh, the difference between a franchise, another group, or Nexstar, or anything else that's out there, we're the only one that I'm aware of. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. That is 100% member-owned. So we do not have any investors that we have to report to. We do not have an injection of cash that we have to spend or returns at the end of the year that we look to distribute. We are 100% member-owned. That means that every dollar, and we're not a nonprofit. So every profit dollar that we make 
is meant to be returned in the form of goods and services. And that, again, creates the distinction, like Chris mentioned, between a coach and a consultant. When I'm a consultant, when I'm a mercenary, so now let's get back to mercenary and missionary. Um, when I'm truly walking alongside you, when you truly, now in a franchise, there's some skin in the game. In other models, there's some skin in the game. But we truly have to learn how to work from a place of influence. We have no authority. And that's one way that as the members walk in, they know that, I have no gain, literally, I have no gain at the end of the year on our profitability. Now, you doggone right, being an operator at heart, we're going to be profitable. <laughs> we're going to exceed our budget. We're going to make this thing happen. But the reality is I don't get a distribution no matter how great we do. I just don't. And so I'm going to make decisions differently into who we partner with, who we invest with, who we play with, where we put up walls and where we knock walls down. And, and to that end, it creates a, a unique environment. One of the... Um, a CEO of one of these private equity groups who is a Nexstar member, and, and I just want to say this for the record, PE groups that are not looking to create your own coaching and training organization, we want you here. You're welcome here. You know, so many people have been running from this money and saying what it's going to do. Uh, that's not a concern, but a direct report I got is he said, look, we were selecting which group to join and we are aware of all of them. Their COO was meeting a prospect that they were set to acquire at one of our super meetings. And as he shouldn't have, but I'm glad he did, our member let him in for just a moment to sit at the table and just, you know, we're getting ready to wrap up. And the COO goes out and calls the CEO on the next break. And he said, you're not going to believe this. These people are at the table literally sharing, exchanging emails and phone numbers, but they're literally sharing inventory sheets and they're literally sharing material lists. And like, they, these are direct competitors. He said, I've never seen anything like it. But it gets back to, we have nothing to gain by holding anybody back or holding anybody hostage. Talk a little bit about, I want to go deeper on the competitor, uh, competitors working with another in the same market, because it's not like it's completely geographically restricted. I've been to regional meetings with like the top five players in Charlotte, right? Who yeah. all are fierce competitors of one another who are again, like open book to one another. That's uncommon. So talk to me about how you foster that community and how it functions to make Nextstar what, what you are. Part of it is we do have uh, some service area agreements that there right. can only be so many members per populated area. Mm -hmm. That dynamic is changing as businesses are now opening. So if they're already a member and they start to open up satellite offices, we don't want to kick them out of Nexstar for growing. Right. You know, that wasn't the yeah. intent. So we are starting to get uh, some more saturation than expected. Um, so that, but getting back to how we're able to uh, facilitate great relationships, primarily, uh, we do have a code of ethics and it's how we will conduct ourselves in our business with our employees and with our customers and as stewards of the industry. And um, now when I say we have no shareholders, we do have a board of directors that I report to and it's made up of nine members. Same thing with the ethics committee. The ethics committee is made up of members. So it's not a Julian decision if we're going to kick you out of Nexstar for an ethics violation, but you doggone sure that you will go before this board if there's a concern of anything ethical from uh, predatory hiring tactics against a, a fellow member um, uh, to anything of misleading a customer. Um, you know, we had a member, this was a few years ago, but a member who was in uh, getting researched by the attorney general for employee complaints as well as consumer complaints. And as we investigate in that, you've got to go. And, and so people know that we will uh, – I would probably say that our bite is louder than our bark sure. in the way that we will not tolerate unethical behavior in whatever way that is meant or, or uh, translated. Got it. It's integrity. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> kind of a good thing. So earlier you talked about your first employer and that they were a mercenary type of business. And you contrasted that to a mission type business. What is a mission type business? And, and I heard some of this on a, on a previous podcast of yours about having a purpose. Yeah. I heard Chad Peterman talk about it, how he shifted his perspective to creating a compelling future for his employees versus will be the biggest Mac daddy in the state. And so it's where your focus is. Uh, just like our next star's mission is to have world-class members in three areas, employee engagement, customer satisfaction, and profitability. And that's where our focus is. Our vision is that the median next our member will grow by 10% year over year and have at least 15% net profit. There is nothing in there about us. We are completely mission-based. We are completely focused on something external from ourselves. Every employee incentive bonus that we have here at Nextar is based on retention, not addition retention. So now as we do that, and the number one thing that we track here, uh, so next our members, if you're not aware of it, get on the website, on your member website and look (laughs) up your engagement score. We keep a score of how engaged you are. And then we look at your financials versus those who are unengaged and the engaged smash the unengaged year over year. So we have a mission to serve. We have a mission to, again, we're going to take care of home first. I have, I was asked in an interview yesterday, young man asked me, he said, what are your values? And he looked a little tense when he said it. And he goes, I know that's unconventional to ask in an interview. And I said, buddy, you don't know who you're sitting with. I'm going to say all the wrong things. And that's why HR doesn't sit in here with the interview. Because <laughs> by the end of this conversation, and this is the same thing Jack would always tell us about interacting with members. By the end of this conversation, you're either going to be closer to Nexstar or farther. Yep. And you are in complete control of that through the interaction. And so when somebody's thinking about uh, becoming an employee here, they meet all of us. And they go, wow, I get to meet with the CEO. I'm going to be an accountant. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm crazy and you need to know it now. So let's get it out in the open. <laughs> so getting back to what we were talking about, though, the value being number one primarily is health, self-health. You have to take care of yourself. You must be in a good space. And then family is next because through the family, we could change the community. So I look at health as an operator here at Nextar to ensure that all of our employees have everything they need to best serve our members. The members are the family because when I have a strong discipline for self. And then I have a family that watches me model that and they they will start to model it. I have, I've heard you say many times on your podcast, we can't help everybody. We're not for everybody, however you say it. But then now that we have the family unit, now we can go out the community or if you want to change that to industry, we can make that impact. We can ripple. We can really make the changes that we're talking mm-hmm. about by modeling the discipline that first yep. starts at home. Love it. Are those new values that you have instilled in your new role or are these things that have been around Nextar for a while, like health and family? No, I'm sorry. Those are my personal personal values. values. Okay. Yeah. He was asking my, it's HFC health family community. That's how I remember. I I want to drill into that a little bit more. Um, I saw, uh, you close at super meeting a couple of years ago and you kind of showed a picture of you before and a picture of you now. And like, you've been on a health journey yourself, right? I know nothing about this. So I'm just asking like, what has that health journey been like for you? I think that's important to everyone. Thank you. And and when I speak to health, I I do encompass uh, mental well-being. I encompass financial well-being as well as the physical well-being. Once I got away from the streets, once I started to focus on, um, this is the way I choose to use the phrase, activities that I align with. Uh, And so I have a little bit of uh, a ruiner that that I used to use when I was a trainer, is I would start a day by telling people, there is no good and there is no bad, neither exists. And you would watch people fidget in their chairs like, okay, so you're saying, you know, that X, whatever X is something horrible. You're okay with that? No, 
I'm saying as far as I know in the research I've done, that's always existed in mankind's history. So what I'm saying is you can label it good or bad, but what I would more rather you do is create your line that you believe and then say what aligns with it and what doesn't. Some things will be closer to what you align with and some will be farther and then you'll label those good and bad. But if we're going to start with this health journey, first you have to understand your values or, or your, your measures, your metrics, your goals. I love when Jamie D. Domenico talks about writing down goals. And then you can just determine, are they, are they closer or farther? Then I don't need to label them. That's just farther away than what I'm focused on. So I don't need to do it. Yeah. But it is that health journey of, I had to learn how to respect my body. I was deteriorating. The truth is that when one of my sons was born, I was sitting in the, holding him with gout. I couldn't put my shoe on because my leg was so swollen. And it was just because of nutrition choices that I was making. Um, because unlike Chris, I don't hop on the scale every day to check my weight. <laughs> I let that go. I was glad to let that go. I was proud to get a beer belly. Like as soon as I stopped wrestling, I like, that was my goal. But again, being in the hood, I wanted to be bigger. I didn't, I'm a naturally smaller guy. Yeah. I didn't like being a small guy. I wanted to look bigger. I wanted to look more intimidating. And that was that picture you saw, Paul. That was, I, I shared that. That was my last, when I shared that picture, that was my last super meeting as a member. And then I was standing before them years later as the VP and People, I go back home, I go to Colorado now, and people that I grew up with, I will, one example, I stood right next to a guy at a bar and he didn't know it was me the whole night. Yep. I asked him for a light, he didn't know it was me. Really? Because not only has my physiological essence changed, my mental essence has changed. Everything about every step I'm making, uh, I can get divine intervention texts now, whereas before that line was cut off. Love that. Oh, I love so it. good. Thank you for sharing that. I know that was un, unscripted and, and we kind of threw that at you. But I got to see the picture. I've not seen it. Yeah, I'll text it to you. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Is that okay? I want to check it out. Yeah. Okay. I'll cool. send you a link. Yeah, you got the link to the keynote, right? Yep, yep. Okay, yeah, I'd love to see that. Like I said, you know, you know how it is sometimes. I just, I want to come into this as raw as I possibly could to make it as meaningful as I possibly could, but now I got to see. Yeah. Oh, yep. there we go. I got a, I got a picture. Yeah, Dude, that, it, it, it's doesn't hard, even it's look hard like to, you. We'll, yeah, we'll have to share a um, oh my gosh. Share link to it. It doesn't look too uh, Okay. Wow. Um, can I shift gears for a second? Yeah, yeah, you do. So, um... I uh, actually let's make a change real quick. I can't see you. I changed my computer screen. Sorry. Um, so Paul had uh, on pre-podcast production. Paul had put together a few questions based on your guys's conversation. And like I told you, I think this was pre-podcast. Julian is. I didn't look at it on purpose this time. And I really wanted to um, listen intently to hear you, understand you, and just kind of see what you know you are all about at the helm of uh, of you know Nextar. So I'm doing these things, and as I'm looking through these questions, Paul clearly has one in here that I'm extremely passionate about, and I want to take it and run with it. So the uh, essential part of uh, you know, us being deemed essential business, uh, when I say us, uh, we are that same community. I mean, we are home services specific. I mean, HVAC, plumbing, electrical, that's my world, been our world for 13 straight years, and that's it. So I care passionately about the industry and the trades. I care passionately about contractors in general, not just my own customers, but that's why this podcast exists. So I love to brag about the trades becoming essential business in 2020. Like people were getting upset or, you know, like that about all the negative things that happened maybe in 2020 with restrictions and things like that happen. I choose to take the opposite approach. Look at what's good that came from this. Um, a non-sexy industry, maybe as non-sexy as it is, became real sexy when we were all still working and we were deemed essential businesses and we could keep going while others might be losing their jobs and things of that nature. I think it was a great time to stand at the top of the mountain and shout, like, 
let's bring trades back in schools for crying out loud. Like, let's make yeah. it a big deal. Like, it is a big deal. Um, so I loved the fact that 2020 had a call out on the trades for being essential businesses. And we had a huge, at Rhino, just under a 90% retention rate of our customers. We had a few get purchased in acquisitions and things of that nature. And we've made a lot of those connections for them too. But people didn't leave. Why? Because we were busy. They were busy. We doubled down. We knew people would be home more, all these things. But it was really cool. I love to, I love to be a cheerleader for the trade schools. I love to be a cheerleader for like a, uh, here's a perfect example. Like uh, we created a, 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 a partnership with uh, a company out of Indianapolis that, you know, Chad Peterman. Um, Chad Peterman created his own top tech academy, his own school to incubate his own technicians. He's bringing in people who have zero skill set in the trades and he's taking them, putting them through his little school that he built off of net learning from Nexstar to try and create his own incubator. I think that's brilliant. But what I love about this whole thing is that we're a deemed essential business. Those that made it really grew. What we learned through last year was that people were just kind of moving with their hair on fire. We're, we're, we, you know, we always try and preach to them, don't just listen to this podcast, you know, and, and take notes and, and walk out and do nothing with it. Like, for God's sake, take, you know, take initiative, you know. Um, yeah. But we were deemed an essential business in my, um, you know, I think from what I'm what I'm reading from this is, um, do you you what's you know how do you feel about that? Are you as passionate about that like to to shout that as I am because, you know, enough is enough. Trades are, in my belief, a very foundational, a very foundational industry. You know, to to just the economic scale, you know, economics as a scale. So, what is your kind of two cents on like all us being deemed essential? It, well, I love actually, I love the language that you just used. And as you caught the distinction with coaching and consulting, I want to take a moment here when you said foundational. Um, and, and I'm noticing, so just a quick sidebar here, but I'm noticing um, as an example, first, when, when we're asked to be socially distant, when the reality is we're asking to be physically distant. So at any next our event, any signage, any language we use is please be physically distant and socially connected. So we're starting That's to good. implant a way of thinking. And we wonder why we see so much strife when you hear it constantly socially distant, socially distant. Similarly, when you tell somebody they're not essential, how does it feel to be a human? And you're told you're not essential. Mm. So I loved when you use that word foundational, uh, because again, let, let's look at the distinction of language and what we're doing, how we're creating divide versus creating bridges. Absolutely. I feel completely That's strongly good. about it. Uh, it, it I, I'm out speaking frequently to schools and young people. We actually have a, a nonprofit sister that's called Explore the Trades. I don't know if you all were aware of that or not. And their sole focus is getting people into the trades. It's not just young people. You know, it could be veterans. Uh, it, it could be people just transitioning. It could be, you know, people from wherever, whatever walk of life. So we have this nonprofit arm that's doing that work. I'm doing work on the street. But I wonder, and I often speculate, you know, what does it take? Now, here's a, here's my big, here's a, here's, a, here's a daydream that I've had, and maybe you all and, and Mr. Gary Vee can figure this one Let's out. Go. I think it would take something similar to uh, a sitcom. If there's a sitcom on national TV, a life of a plumber or an HVAC technician at home. So we create this whole thing, just like Family Matters, the dad was a cop. Oh, Everybody yeah. knew that. But we love the family. Can we show what it's like? And maybe show, when I go down here to the food court, so we're in a, a downtown St. Paul. I'm in an office building. We're very fortunate to have a training center on the 21st floor in a beautiful building. And when I go downstairs, all the food vendors think I'm a banker or a lawyer. <laughs> 
And so I just tell him straight up, like, no, I'm a plumber. I was like, don't call me those dirty words. You call me a plumber. You give me the respect I deserve. <laughs> what? What I is that? It. What? You're always in a tie. It's like, what if we could, you know, can we nationally some way have this uh, North Star so people could, because I don't know what to do, but, and if the schools don't bring it back, that's the indoctrination. If the parents don't get it, I'm not sure what to do, but what I'm doing in small steps in my community. Yeah, I appreciate that. So this is kind of, you know, we utilize this platform as our, as our way to serve the masses. And, and part of that is also sharing what our beliefs are based on what do we think makes it better. And, and so I will, I mean, I will continue to push with all the options I have, the platforms I have, the reach that we have, my team has on the trades and the benefit of being in them. And because it is a lot there, but I have tried to, we tried to do a couple of things. Like we brought on a few guys and tried to show Hey, this is what this guy's an HVAC technician. Look at the things he has because people can get hooked, right? You can get hooked by looking at things somebody has because perception is reality, right? Yep. Yes. So, I am a, a champion of trying to pull in different aspects of of you know what what makes this so great, like what makes this such a good business. Well, how about like you can go into school and roll out with no debt, like if you want to do that, you could get placed immediately. And best guess, guess what? If you want to go anywhere in the United States of America. You could have a job anywhere you, you went and get a job, no problem. So I'm a huge fan of those things. So I want to dial in a little bit to something you said in, in a moment ago about bridges in the industry. And offline, you shared some passionate perspective around just kind of letting the guard down and being open-minded, open-hearted to getting to know the industry and getting people talking and building relationships. And then the industry doesn't naturally work that way, right? It's kind of, um, it's very tribal. So Talk to me about your perspective of building bridges. What does that What does that mean from your perspective? Well, I've had the privilege of, of making some phone calls. In all the years here uh, as an XR employee, I focused on the members. And then when I moved into the operations role, I focused on the operation. That we were supposed to have the cleanest, meanest, train leaves on time operation. I didn't really look up. I didn't. Uh, connect with a lot of our strategic partners. I'll own that. I didn't connect with um, a, a lot of people outside of Nextar, but I just felt that wasn't my position at the time. Now, stepping into this this role, I do believe that it's time for, and I have the latitude and the leverage to have these conversations. So I'm calling up some of our partners. And I'm even calling people who aren't members. And I'm just saying, you know, how are you doing? How can we help? What are you up to? And it's just, you know, the looks I get. <laughs> there's been a few people, there's been a few who, who said, well, I, I guess we would just kind of have to book in that. We would have to, you know, we, we need to know the boundaries. We need to know the rules. I'm open to the conversation. Another person said, huh, well, what if X? And they gave me a really great idea. And I said, I'd never thought of that. But when you don't ask and you don't have the conversation, when you, when you protect, uh, there's an analogy that I, I think it was Wayne Dyer. I forget which one I stole it from, but I used to use it in training a lot. I would grab a whole bunch of, you know, snacks, whatever's there. And, and you grab the snacks and you hold on to them with your, with your fist clenched. And then you tell somebody in class, you say, give me some more peanuts or whatever it is that you're holding and they'll give it to you, but you keep your, you keep your fist closed. Cause you got to hold on to yours. You can't lose yours. And so the other ones fall. And I said, no, give me some more. And they say, well, open your hand. I said, if I open my hand, I'm going to lose what I got. And they get it. And it's like, you have got to get more. Uh, you, there's a reason why I believe that money is called currency. Currency flows. If you hold on too tightly, it will get stagnant. It will not grow. So we have to, in my opinion, in my beliefs, and it served me well to date, that if I be more open to the conversation, I'm not saying I'm tied to the outcome. You know, I say some silly things too. And sometimes when I get more information, I retract and sure. that's fine. That's being human, right. but let's live out there instead of hiding behind walls. That's, that's where I was going with that. Paul. I love it. Currency. I love it. So under your leadership, what does Nextar look like five, 10 years from now? 
we'll be serving more businesses more intimately. Yeah. Uh, we, we, you know, I, I remember, you know, there's always going to be the question and, and I love it. It's a compliment of what's the next vertical. Right. And, and the number of folks that say, you could do this for hospitality. You could do this for pest control. You could do this for whatever. And, and um, the, the reality is, and you all know this, that, you know, the, the market, we're such a small percentage of the dollars that are out there and we don't accept everybody. That's the other thing I want to say about Nextar right. is you are vetted. Our, our model is not built on expansion of volume. Our model is to better serve our existing members and have them do more business with us. Yep. So we don't have aggressive growth goals. So that's why when you see another group that talks about the thousands of, of members or whatever term they use that they have, we'll never, have, well, we may have that someday, but that's not our goal. We're not focused on a volume-based growth. We're focused on an organic internal growth. So in 10 years, here, here's, here's my ultimate dream. Uh, and I hope some next our employees are listening and they can freak out. <laughs> you know, we will be at the forefront of technology, not the creators, Okay, we're not going to become a technology house of creating, but we will be at the forefront to better serve our members. The call that we have this year to staff, uh, our rally cry, is to make it easy to do business with us. Yeah. Oh, gee, Julian, that sounds really ridiculous. Until you've been in an organization that's been around 28 years, and we've got more stuff in the garage that we've forgotten about <laughs> than most people even have even started making. So we have got to clear the clutter. We have got to get more technologically proficient. We've got to make it easy. We've got to put it in the palm of their hands. So 10 years from now, what, it, what it's going to look like is we will be uh, so integrated with our members' businesses that they don't know how they can live life without us. Not in a bad way. It's just that easy that the system, you know, I can see where, where maybe an employee is at in their training progression. When I make a new hire, what's the first thing I do relative to my business, relative to the next our resources? And they can watch that progression that we can help them identify future leaders and develop them. There's one thing, another thing that about Nextar that is different. You know, when we talked about being the, the member-owned aspect, the other thing that's beautiful about Nextar is is no one no one person here is next star or is bigger than next star jack tester handing off this role at his height at his peak this man was still passing the ball he was still doing no look passes he still had the deep <laughs> ball he still had the game and he always said i'd rather leave a year too early than a year too late absolutely and he and it was more than one year but that's the beauty it when i'm gone Next star will still be next star when, when, you know, name the player, when they're gone, next star will still be next star. And that's, that's the beauty. And I've completely gotten off track. No, yeah, that's excited completely by that okay. No. Uh, Chris, did you want to jump in? I had another question. Well, of course. So <laughs> you mentioned technology and I want to share a, um, you know, the best way I can connect on this thing is when I'm listening to you and I hear you talking about things you're passionate about, for, whether it's you or the organization as a whole, and I can connect myself to those things. What I loved hearing about you saying that you're not going to be the creator of technology, but you're going to be at the forefront of that technology when it's created to do better for your membership. Um, if, I think that's what I heard you say. So, yes, sir. Uh, so I did this for Rhino, but it was only because I didn't know what else. I didn't have the bandwidth to do anything outside of it. I felt like, and I got, you, you, you've heard this story. People used to like get, make fun of me because they thought you, you have a digital marketing company and you're only focusing on HVAC or and plumbing at that time. Sure. I mean, people make fun of me today. Like I can vividly remember that people saying those things to me, like this guy's <laughs> stupid. So, um, but I didn't really think much about it because I didn't really care what they said. But I, uh, when my brain, it was, if I only focused on the digital marketing and lead generation for these guys. And one of my good, one of the guys that helped me get there was a, was uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana HVAC and plumbing guy. 
if I only focused on this every day, much like my wrestling mentality, much like my farming mentality of you got to work, you got to grind, nobody's going to do it for you, you're not going to get anything. Um, it was this thing where if I just focused on it every single day, that I should be the best at it. Like I didn't think anything else other than I should be the best at it. And so all I had to do was I started to learn how to bring in an install lead at what cost and at what temperature was it 70 degrees, 80 degrees, which location, how can I pull an install lead, a service lead, a, you know, a water heater lead, but I only had to chase the technology. And so by doing that, it really kind of set the stage for how this company is today. Like how Rhino sure. is today yeah. is that we're always constantly chasing the technology and I don't always know it. I hear it, but I'm not afraid to go and ask and find it and get it. And that's where the whole Gary Vaynerchuk thing happened and why it happened. It's not because Gary, it's because Gary had a connection to voice search. And I really wanted the voice search data. I wanted the social media data to connect into the trades and pull that stuff in. But I was just chasing the technology constantly. And here's what I believe. If you narrow down your client base or your membership base to specific industries you're not learning a bunch of new stuff at the same time. Like you're just not like there's things that you're learning that year that may have happened, but you're not learning a bunch of different things at the same time. And if you can do, do that and you've got coaches focusing on that and your job is like, my job is to focus on what's next for my customers. How do I make sure if somebody says, I need air conditioning companies near me, they come up or like you, it's like, Hey, the next best thing's coming up or Hey, how do we deal with Amazon or Hey, how do we deal with Tesla rolls something out or whatever it is. Um, I love the fact that you narrow it down to just saying, I got this. This is my niche. I'm not going anywhere. This is my space. How can I make us better? And I'm just going to chase the technology because if you're not chasing the technology game, you are 100% going to fall behind. So I love that you said that about chasing technology because I am a firm believer in that. Don't know how you beat it. I don't know how you beat it. If you have all these people going down that path, only focusing on those things with the right intention, how do you beat it? Come at me. Let's go. <laughs> Something that's been on my heart and on my mind lately here, is, and, I, and I did I put a little teaser in on it before that, you know, certain private equity groups, they're welcome here at Nexstar. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the lesson that I've learned as I look at all of this, uh, as folks, as we started to feel this tension and this question about whether uh, M&A or private equity money would be good for the industry. Well, the differences that I'm seeing now are the groups that are now running this private equity money and running it in a, in a different model. These are the same guys who were around and saw the consolidators fail. So they saw it yeah. and they saw the shortcomings and now they're creating something that is different and it's new. And we're creating multimillionaires across the nation, not just in Atlanta. Uh, there's a lot of people with that mentality as their goal. This is different because those mercenaries, we were very bottom line driven. I remember getting coached at the mercenary company that if the customer on the, if I didn't get a a letter from an attorney, meaning just a simple, simple refund. If I didn't have a letter from an attorney from that customer, I was not to give a penny back. I was not even to return their call versus this mentality of the bigger pie instead of what's my cut. That's good. All over the road on that. That's good. No, no, no. no. And that really ties in like your whole uh, mentality that you shared earlier. And that's, this is a big industry, right? And there's a change happening in the industry and it's the good old boys club is kind of getting handed down. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. Talk to me about the disruption of the good old boys club and this kind of new generation of leaders like yourself who are coming to lead the industry over the next 30 years. Yeah, that's great. You know, the disruption of the good old boys. And even with that, you know, I want to ensure that we don't see an overcorrection, in my opinion, like we're seeing in society. 
where we start to vilify everything that we were founded upon. For we can't sure. vilify, in my opinion, we shouldn't vilify everything that we were founded upon. Now, where there's some errors, where there's some past mistakes, for sure. We should acknowledge, we should have open conversations, and we should honor it. Like, and I'm saying that as a Native American, my, my, my roots are, are primarily Arapaho and Cheyenne. And I'm saying today, let's have conversations and move forward. All right, because there are opportunities and there is a changing of the guard by nature. This is just the essence of life. And and I am excited, you know, when you ask that question about the phasing out of the good old boys, you know, this was really what I see happening here with the private equity investors and how these are the guys that saw the shortcomings of the consolidation years. And now they're creating something new that's actually expansive, that's making a larger pie instead of them focusing and fighting on their piece of the pie. And so again, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, besmirching or chasing or wanting to tear down the men uh, that had handled this industry. Now, there's a few guys out there. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait for them to get out quick enough. Um, but then there's also just uh, the error of being in the company of which you keep, and that's how it was done. That was the status quo. And it took somebody, in my opinion, like Frank Blau, to create something new and innovative and different for us to be courageous and to step out and to have an employee, customer, profitable, centric business in these trades. And so, yes, the, the changing of the guard is here. Will there always be now, back to my statement, though, of good and bad, will there always be mercenary companies? Yes, because there will always be mercenary people. Right. The thing is, what I believe that I'm seeing in these PE groups is they understand that mercenary is short-term and this industry is a long-term industry. Yep. When we hear Jamie D. Domenico talk about service agreements, this is a long-term game. And when they played that consolidation game in the short-term and made a few mistakes, it fell apart. Mm. The groups that I'm seeing now are focused on long-term. They're focused on creating multimillionaires across the, the, not just the owners of the business. You know, let's, you know, we have people that have served their entire career in attics and crawl spaces and they're going out with no severance. We talk about athletes and how come they're not covered after destroying their bodies. Well, what the heck about the trades? You know, these people, you, you, you built your riches on the backs of technicians. Let's distribute that wealth. And I'm seeing that model for those who are part of it and those who contribute. And so when you, when you say good old boy, those are all the things that, that rack up in my mind is, hey, thank you guys for all the lessons you taught me of what I could be and what I never want to be. And I thank you for the role you played in that. And respect. Perfect. Yeah, respect. So good. That conversation has come up often. I get asked it often and, I'm, and, and I tend to respond. Um, remember, because I grew up in this farming mentality, you know, and you're, you know, you're as good as your word and you respected everything. And it's mm -hmm. something I really try to instill in like my son and, uh, and my kids is, be respectful. You can, you can disagree with me, but just be respectful about it. Um, and, you know, and I think that's completely okay. I respect that. I think there's a lot of, I mean, listen, we wouldn't be where it is without it. We've got to respect it, but it's time. Chase the technology. Let's chase it. It's 2021, man. Like it's time to make changes go. We, you know, and if you, you can kind of tell Julian from some of the podcasts that we've had, like we brought on e-commerce stuff, you can ignore it. You can complain. You can say whatever you want. Like it, it is what it is. Like, guess what? The smartphone, uh, it's a thing, right? It's still here. I can remember when websites, when we were changing from yellow page advertising to people wanting to build websites, I go, went back to the Midwest and they're like, what's, what's a website? I'm not doing that. That's not going to catch on. Like now it's weird if you don't have one. It's just these little things, but it is. It's like, it's, it is here. It's loud. And it's, and it's, there's a lot of conversations around it. So again, you can ignore it, but it's going to railroad you like one way or another, you got to figure out how to get on board with it because your customers are like at the end of the day, your customers are going to get on board with technology. So 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll ask something for the listeners to consider. This is a, a trigger that I use with the staff here um, because we all focus on our strengths and limitations here at Nexstar, and I'm very aware of mine, uh, both both of them. And so here's, here's a trigger that I use with the staff. Um, some of the highest praise I got was also in relation to my limitation, as many of our you know, limitation conversations are. And uh, I was told by a peer, I've never seen anyone more sure of anything in life than you. So meaning once I believe in something, it's like, it is going to happen. The issue is, Julian, is I want to make sure that you get enough facts before you take out because we're all going to fall. You're going to knock that wall down. There's no doubt the wall is going down and we're all right behind you. I just want to make sure that you have wise counsel before you do that. And then so, you know, one thing I want to say to anybody, uh, seek counsel. And I honestly believe that by surrounding yourself with counselors and gathering the information that makes you a, a, a better judge. Um, but to what you were to what you were saying there, though, in the, in the trigger word that I use here is there's a difference. I am convicted. And when I'm convicted, I can do anything. But when I'm rigid, I cannot. So I want that distinction. And sometimes I'll even ask in a meeting when I get found myself getting really passionate, like I have been on this podcast with you. You can see my physiology. You can hear it in my voice when you're listening. I'm convicted. There is no other option. We are going to win. Next will continue to be a world-class, world-leading um, because of the great people and the members that we have and the partners and all of that. But if I get rigid, when I start to say, that's not the way I did it, and I'm not going to embrace the technology, I'm not, that's just rigid and rigid breaks. All right. But I do want to be convicted in my beliefs and open to more information so I can continue to grow. That's good. So good. Thank you so much for your passion and your transparency and really the the gift that you're giving our listeners today. Um, You talk about, you know, uh, removing walls. So um, we'll do that. Like, how can people... Um, learn more about you, connect with you, or learn more about Nexstar. We'd like to give you that opportunity. Yeah, I'm like your other technology guy. The only place I am is LinkedIn. <laughs> oh, like so, Will Housh. <laughs> I don't have time for the noise, boys. I don't have notifications on. Respect. And with that, here's what I'm going to say. I take away, and this is what I tell everybody in every training class or people when they meet me here at Nexstar, um, I've just taken away your excuse to say, I, but I didn't want to bother you. You can't, you cannot bother me. I turn notifications off. When I choose to look at my phone, I look at my phone. When I choose to look at my email, I look at my email and you will have my full 100% complete attention. And with that said, um, I'm sure it'll be in the show notes as well, but you know, just look up nextstarnetwork.com, reach out to our direct line, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm always open to the conversation. Awesome. Appreciate that. Well, I want to give a, a quick shout out to uh, one of your next star coaches, Garrett Cook. It's his birthday today. Today is uh, January 27th and he is a, uh, friend of mine and actually went to the same high school as me good old Heck. part of my conference yeah crew. thank you for that yeah garrett cook he's our member trainer so what that means again another way that we're a little bit different y'all so i gotta throw another plug here he runs his own business he is a member but he also takes time out of his day to come train our classes and we use that term member trainer and again you could imagine the difference between a consultant in front of the room during the whole class you're wondering is he going to sell me on the next class versus somebody standing in front of the room going yeah this is how i do it during the week back home in crawfordsville indiana that's right yep. Oh, well, let me listen to this guy. He, he's been where I've been. He's at where I'm at. So Garrett, happy birthday. An amazing man. His two beautiful babies, his wonderful wife. Yep. That's an amazing salt of the earth, man. So yep. happy birthday. Bro. Good dude. And he's, and he's a pretty good looking guy. Second time you said that. <laughs> that's, that's just some uh, hillbilly cooking right there. It sure is. <laughs> yeah. okay. I, I mean, for Crawfordsville. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, listen, man, I really appreciate you coming on here, sharing your passion. Um, I, I could certainly feel it. Uh, I'm a, listen, when I get passionate, I get loud, I get, you know, I'm on it, I'm on the mic, you know, I go down the path because it's just, you know, it's in your DNA. Uh, you have this, like you talk about being a, a mercenary or a missionary, 
um, a lot of the missionary part is the is the part that is actually the foundation, the DNA of who you've become based on like the experiences that you've had in life. But I believe it's your heart, man. Your heart wants to help, and uh, and I'll take that guy all day long in a fight. Just so you know, um, a guy that's got heart. But um, just what you're sharing and your passion for the trades and what I believe you'll accomplish in this short amount of time. What I believe you'll accomplish uh, with Next Next Star Network is going to be something um, something that is going to set you guys apart from every other organization that's out there for the trades. I just believe that because of what you're saying and you're the one that's going to be leading that charge. So thank you for kind of sharing that vision. Thank you for sharing your passion. Thank you for being vulnerable, uh, vulnerable enough to share your past story. I think that's a big piece of it too. Just kind of a, not everybody's got it figured out, but you can get it figured out and you got to talk about your mental health, your physical health and your financial health. I still think mental health is number one. You got to have that in check and you got to have it all figured out, but you got to ask too. So appreciate you coming on here, giving us your time. I know we're a little bit over an hour, but we didn't want to cut it off too. At the same time, it was you'll too, be back too, too good. Yeah, you'll be back. Um, so, uh, man, just thank you. And, and again, I can't thank you enough for, um, being a listener, you know, and sharing those things. And it was very obvious by some of the statements that you made that you legit were like paying attention yeah. to some of those things. And, and that, and that means the world to, to me and I know to, to tall Paul. So thank you from us. You are welcome. Thank you for the kind words. And I do want to ensure that I share with you. Thank you for breaking down walls. All right. You're, you're reaching out to, again, as I go through the catalog, you're reaching out to help an industry. You're not reaching out for your gain. Will the gain come? For sure. And that's not the intent. The intent is, can we rise the tide? And I've heard you talk about that too. Thank you for breaking down the wall. Thank you for being open to talking with me. I'm the new guy. You don't know me. Could have got weird, but I think it was wonderful. <laughs> I think we just became best friends, Julian. <laughs> what a great Well, party. next time I see you, I won't go the other way. Now now I know I could come at you. You come right uh, at me, man. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's his you. haircut. I've had people tell me that too. Like, man, that guy's a little too intense. No, it's the look in his eye. It's his. It's the way he moves. It's everything about the man. <laughs> Wait, come on, don't, he's like pacing. Like, I'm usually, I know how to tone, I know how to tone the whole down. He's on constant flare. <laughs> I don't have an that's good, baby. Go get it. I ain't scared. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you so much. And then listeners, you had like a, a, a number of things you can take away from this. Um, and, and listen, reach out. Even if you don't know, you've heard something, don't just hear it and think like get your own perspective based on having an actual conversation with somebody in the organization. But I can tell you from our experience that the, the stable of net next star network customers of ours have nothing but great things to say. And they always put it up on one of their top things. It says, Hey man, what's made me so successful is this relationship. So I encourage you to go and do likewise. Yep. They can't all be making it up right first class all the way so um so take notes reach out go to next network if we can help make some connections we certainly will do that and i'd like to end you know this show paul with another uh, review and since you're in studio i'd like for you to do uh, you want to share it because we love to share these things i would love to first of all thank you to all the listeners who provide reviews um that is how we fund this thing every review keeps us going that's how we pay for this we do not have sponsors so uh <laughs> shout out to j dubs who said dubs. it's worth every minute exclamation point gave us five stars and said i listen to a lot of different home service podcast but this one is in my top rotation very high quality i've listened to almost all of them and some of them a few times i would not be where i am today in my business without the knowledge i've gained from tall paul and chris i love these guys please keep at it emoji hands in the air um thank you j dubs i didn't see tall paul in there i added that my name my name never gets mentioned oh uh, 
Okay, moving on. Hey, keep those reviews up. We really appreciate that. And be sure to subscribe to this thing if you haven't, if you're listening for the first time, and share it, please. Again, rising tide raises all ships is what Julian was saying, something that I believe in, and this is one way that we can all do those things together and lift up the trades. Until next time, everybody, please have a great rest of your day.